Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to episode 59. This time, Pippin and I will be talking about what we've been up to, and we'll dig into WordPress 4.5, and we'll talk a little bit about something called imposter syndrome. But first... This episode is sponsored by Gravity Flow, an advanced add-on for Gravity Forms that allows you to automate your business processes, whether you need to set up workflows for purchase orders, job applications, admission forms, project initiations, vacation requests, or any other kind of workflow that involves advanced feedback loops, approvals, etc. Gravity Flow allows you to do this easily while also leveraging the power of Gravity Forms. You can find out more at gravityflow.io. And once again, thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. Woo. All right. So, Brad, I believe you just got back from Costa Rica. Why don't you uh, take a few minutes and give us the rundown of how that went? Yeah, so it was my first time in Costa Rica, and it was the first time in four years that my wife and I uh, had gone on a trip together without our kids. <laughs> so we were able to do things like kayaking uh, at the base, kayaking uh, Lake Arenal at the base of a volcano, and uh, hiking up... Uh, super steep dormant volcano uh it's pretty cool stuff right um you've been to Costa Rica was, right I have and I, I went to Mount Arnold when I was there was it active uh it was like you're not allowed you're not allowed on Mount Arnold um or what is it called I think it's just called Arnold volcano yeah I think that's right anyway yeah, when we were there we were staying in a little um kind of resort at the bottom or somewhere near the bottom of it. And I remember just being able to like sit on the back patio and watch as the, some of the lava rocks come flying down and it's pretty cool, especially what? at night. Oh, you were there at a good time then. The, the volcano must've been like very active. <laughs> it, it, it's active in that it's still dangerous enough that no one's allowed on the volcano. But I, I think, um, yeah, there's no, I don't, I don't think you can see any lava flow or anything. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. These days. So we couldn't, I mean, we could, at night we didn't necessarily see any during the day during the day it was just smoking but at night we would see little trickles and we'd see rocks come down every now and then and how long ago were you there i was when i was in high school it was uh 16 so about 10 years ago oh yeah okay i i did read some comments like uh from like 2008 i think and you could still see uh lava and stuff then but uh yeah when i was there well, I'm pretty sure there was. <laughs> anyway, I don't. I didn't know about it, so we we didn't see any of that. But uh, but yeah, we did that, and and just you know went on some hikes and stuff, and saw lots of animals and stuff. So it was it was pretty awesome, and uh, yeah, much needed vacation. I only took my tablet with me. Like uh, I've got a a 10 inch Samsung tablet, and uh, I just took that with me. So I was you know, just working on that. Uh, and it was a great deterrent to not work because it's tiny, tiny screen and the keyboard, like I, I bought, like I have like a external keyboard for it. Uh, but the keyboard kind of sucks. It's like plastic, cheap plastic, and it's small and cramped. So like, I kind of did that intentionally. So <laughs> I don't so like using not, it. <laughs> yeah. You're not, uh, tempted to work. Yeah, exactly. I found that I actually really, really enjoy working on a tablet in certain environments. Number one, in places where I'm not supposed to be doing a lot of work and maybe just like have a few very like focused tasks to do because it takes away so many potential distractions. Um, because you're limited in what you can do, you kind of get what done, what needs to be done, and that's it. Yeah, I found it good for just, you know, keeping up with emails and keeping up with kind of the conversations that are going on in Slack, just kind of keeping up in general, uh, but not really producing a whole lot <laughs> uh, so that when I came back, I would, didn't have this mountain of stuff to, to go through and stuff. So it, it worked out pretty good. While I was away, uh, we actually released... Uh, 0.8 of WP Migrate DB, the free version. Um, and by the time that this airs, actually, we'll probably have released uh, Migrate DB Pro 1.6, which is a big UI update. Um, so check that out. Um, we've been blogging as usual. Uh, Ian wrote a great post about uh, Backbone JS 
and building a, a dashboard widget using Backbone uh, and using just uh, the Ajax, typical Ajax um, endpoint in WordPress. What is that called? Admin Ajax. Admin dash. Admin dash Ajax, right? Yeah. So uh, so check that out. It's pretty cool. Um, especially if you haven't done a lot of Backbone, it's a, a great like primer for getting into Backbone. It's a massively long post, too. It is a very long post. It is what, <laughs> what you would call a tutorial post because it's it's uh, it's one of those ones like you might might want to break it up and and uh, do it on several sittings. <laughs> but it's cool. It's got all kinds of code samples and stuff, and it's very he he explains things really really clearly. So it's good. Um, and then we had a uh, Ian, other Ian did. A <laughs> Beardy, we call him. Uh, he did a, a post called uh, Using Codeception to Automate WordPress Plugin Testing, uh, which is pretty neat. It's uh, Codeception allows you to automate some of the, like, the manual tests that you would run. So, so unlike unit tests, like, like tests like uh, log into this thing and do this action with your mouse, that kind of thing, Codeception allows you to basically script those actions and it'll perform them and then and then test see if the result is what uh, is expected. He dives into that and and kind of shows how to set it up. So it's pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Anyway, what, what have you been up to? Uh, well, last weekend, we discovered a severe bug in one of our plugins, uh, in our recurrent payments plugin, actually, for EDD. Um, and it was one of those that you discovered on a Sunday night and you realize this doesn't wait till Monday. We have to fix this immediately. Um, it took us until Monday evening or Tuesday to actually get it fixed. Um, I think it was, I think it was late Monday. So we had a upgrade routine that ran on our new version and the upgrade routine only applied to uh, people that had been running previous versions of it. So the new version was 2.4. It only applied to people that were running 2.3 or earlier uh, for an extended period of time. And also only applied if you were running our Stripe payment gateway. Well, so in our upgrade routine, we had this process that looped through and recreated new subscription records. Our new version of the plugin had introduced a whole new database uh, for subscription records. And we had to pull all the old data and put into the new database. And so in that process, we would query it. We would query all customers. We would, and then we loop through each one, create the subscription records as necessary. Well, we had a fatal error. Um, and I don't mean like a fatal, error, like exception type error in PHP. I mean a fatal oops in our upgrade routine where we had a variable that referred to the ID of the customer inside of a Stripe account. And that variable did not get reset on each loop uh, or each iteration of the loop. And it didn't get reset because on every single beginning of every single iteration of the loop, we actually requeried that variable. Well, we discovered that there was a particular case or two cases actually, where that query to get a new customer ID or get the customer ID for the for this particular subscription record didn't happen, such as a customer that had paid through PayPal standard, or uh, for whatever reason, their customer ID and Stripe couldn't be discovered. And what happened is we accidentally assigned the same customer ID to multiple records in our database. And uh, then what would happen is, let's say that one of those customers who had the incorrect ID assigned to them went to make a purchase their new subscription that they purchased would get assigned to the wrong customer in the Stripe account. And also their debit or credit card would get added to the wrong customer in Stripe as well. Oops. So when we discovered that on a Sunday evening and uh, we realized, uh-oh, <laughs> we have to fix this immediately. This is not something that can be delayed. This is not a minor fix. This is immediately we're on board until we have this fixed. Um, and we did, we, we, we fixed it. Um, and not only did we fix it, we also wrote an upgrade routine that went through and resolved it for any customer record that was affected. We sent out a detailed email to every single customer of the plugin to say, Hey, here's how you know, if you're affected, here's what you do, if you need to fix it, et cetera. Um, here's the, here's the possible consequences in like worst case scenario. Um, we worked directly with several customers to 
to get it fixed on their site as kind of a beta test for it. Hindsight is twenty twenty. remembering like the entire problem was resolved by one little line of code to reset a variable and makes you realize why there are standardization rules in development environments. Things like why uh, we have um, guidelines that say you always use braces around conditionals as opposed to the non-brace style conditionals in PHP. Um, would, would those have uh, avoided this? Like yes. Oh, how how so, so? Well, not not braces in this case, but like it, so. All we had to do was to say profile ID equals empty string at the beginning of the loop, and the problem would have never occurred. And so, if we had either reset all of our variables that we are that we are setting up on each loop at the beginning or unset them at the end, the problem would have never occurred. And so, it was it was a one line mistake. Now. The crazy thing about it is that in order to fix that one line that we didn't put in, it took over 450 lines of code and 37, 48 man hours of development. It, for, for us, it was a good reminder and lesson of these are why rules that sometimes may seem silly exist. Um, it reminded me of about a year or so ago when the big Apple security flaw came out and it was discovered that it was due to um, somebody who had not used uh, the braces on a conditional and um, had like it just when you look at it and it seems perfectly fine, but then you discover that, I mean, it's, it's why we have defensive coding uh, is things like this. So, right. So, so you, was, you say, did you say it was 48, about 48 hours it took? I think it to, took, from the time that we realized exactly what it was to when we had it fixed and deployed, it was about 48 hours. So, so most of the work there involves trying to figure out a way to fix everybody's install that got kind of screwed up. Is that right? So right? it was how to, how do we fix anybody who was affected by the bug and go through an update, update customer records, make sure they're correct, make sure um, that no charges can be put on incorrect cards, make sure that if there was a subscription purchase that got assigned to the wrong customer in Stripe, make sure that that is removed and they don't accidentally have a subscription that to them came out of nowhere, um, all of those things. Right. So was that running as a background process or did they have to run no, that? it was a actively? manual upgrade. We gave a notice that says, hey, you, ha you need to update this database and we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, you're gonna see it run. Right, you're going to sit here until it's done. <laughs> right. Well, so one of the unfortunate caveats of it, um, and it's one of the reasons why it actually made it such a bad bug to fix, was let's to say that a customer purchased a subscription and their subscri subscription got assigned to the wrong customer in Stripe. That subscription actually had to be canceled in Stripe because there's no way to move a subscription from one customer to another. And so one of the problems that we spent the most time trying to figure out is how do you identify subscriptions in the Stripe account that are incorrect? So how do we, how do we ensure that we don't accidentally cancel a subscription that shouldn't be canceled? Um, my worst nightmare, and like it made me literally not sleep at night, was the, uh, the possibility of us going through all of these subscription records on a site and discovering that we canceled 100 subscriptions that weren't supposed to be canceled. Those are the types of things that we were that took a long time to work out and make sure that are not happening. Were there moments where in the discovery process when you first discovered the bug, um, where you were just like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> like, where, whereas like, this is, I don't think we'll be able to come back from this. And, and then, you, then you eventually figured it out. Well, uh, I mean, there was definitely, we originally, we got the first hint of something wrong about a week before we tracked down what the bug actually was. Um, and it was simply through a customer support ticket of somebody saying, hey, I had this weird behavior happen. And annoyingly, it's one of those things that if we had caught it that day, we could have immediately pushed the fix and it would have only affected a very small number of users. But we didn't, we didn't recognize what it was immediately. We recognized it a week later when uh, one of our guys like pinged me and said, hey, I'm sitting down to, to work on this, this minor issue. And I said, hey, I think we might have another issue you should go look at. And so he dives in and looks at it. And then a few moments later, it it's settles in my mind exactly what the bug was. And I just, <laughs> I think I remember talking about, we have a problem and it has to be fixed immediately. Whatever you're doing, drop it. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those those moments. And 
And, you know, like the thought of it, it had occurred to me that if we fixed it wrong and we ended up canceling a ton of subscriptions that we weren't supposed to, we might be affecting businesses in the um, tens of thousands of dollars uh, or more. Um, and that would be pretty hard to swallow. Right. And because they're, they're subscriptions, you might not even know about it until later on when they start to renew or something, right? So did you guys work like basically nonstop for 48 hours or did people sleep? How did that go? Um, so Chris started it uh, and then did a lot of the legwork. Uh, and then it just happened that it was also a day that I was gone. Um, Chris Klauski? Yes. Because okay. you have two Chris's, um, right? That's right. We do have two Chris's. <laughs> Uh, and then I, I took over and we worked until pretty late at night and then got a little bit of sleep. We, we kind of went to a point where we thought we had it done and it was working and then said, okay, now we're going to sleep on it. We're going to come back. We're going to test it more in the morning. Um, which is a good thing that we did because ended up finding like five extra edge cases that we had to account for. Nice. Um, and then took about another 12 hours to finalize it. Yeah, sometimes it's better to go a little slower. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't ever push an urgent fix that you've been working on for eighteen hours at two in the morning. <laughs> you could do it. You could end up doing more harm than good sometimes. Oh, yeah, and absolutely, we will absolutely would have. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was that was good. Um, it's luckily. I mean, maybe not. I don't know if it's luckily or just because we we worked really hard at it or whatever. But uh, everything has ended up really, really well. We haven't had a single reported problem of it, um, all for the better. Um, and it was a nice, it was a nice lesson in defensive coding. That's for sure. Um, other than that, uh, my other little update is that, uh, today is our fourth anniversary for easy digital downloads, which is kind of fun. Um, I ended up writing up a big blog post on it at pippinsplugins.com, uh, that got published this morning. If it's, uh, we'll talk a little bit about it at the end of this episode, but if you're interested in reading it, uh, you can go find it at pippinsplugins.com. Uh, covers a few things. Uh, and the other kind of fun fact, and we're hoping that this actually happens, it will have happened by the time this episode airs, but while we're recording it, is that we're going to hit 1 million downloads for EDD, and we're really hoping that it's today on the fourth anniversary. Just, it's a vanity metric, but, you know, it's kind of fun to have the two coincide. Yeah. Congrats on uh, four years, man. It's, Thanks, I mean, man. It's been a journey. Yeah, it, it always is <laughs> with entrepreneurship. Yeah, <laughs> or absolutely. Usually is. Um, we're, at, we're hitting three years for Migrate DB Pro tomorrow, actually. So I'm not sure what it is about April and launches, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, our, um, our affiliate WP two-year anniversary was last week. Right. So apparently we, we have something for April's as well. I think it's, you get Spring. antsy and in winter and spring and yeah everything things yeah everything's growing and blossoming that's when you want to like push something new out into the world just like you know, <laughs> just like nature's doing <laughs> it's you know it's kind of cheesy and stuff but it's totally true <laughs> it's, it might there might be something there yeah all right let's let's chat about wordpress 4.5 so this launched on um what day did this go out? two days ago tuesday three days ago tuesday or wednesday uh, WordPress 4.5 launched and was led by Mike Schroeder. Mike, a sincere thank you from myself and everyone else for all of the work that you do and did on 4.5 and every other release. Mike's been a long time contributor to core and is a, yeah. Yeah. A great asset to the WordPress community. So Mike, yeah. thank you. And thanks everybody else who contributed to core. Um, yeah, there's a that's... ton of contributors. There's a ton. Yeah. Tons. So it's a team effort, but uh, I have to say though, like my, from what I've heard from lead uh, devs, like Mike needs like a all expenses paid vacation for like a week right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Maybe for like future uh, WordPress core leads, we can do like um, an Indiegogo or something for them. <laughs> Send them away for a week because it's it's a pretty it's a pretty rough kind of sprint to the finish, I guess. Uh, yeah, for so release leads. It is not an easy job. By yeah. any means, so um, there's some, there's some pretty cool stuff in four or five. Uh, should we go through them real quick? Yeah, let's. Uh, I'll I'll start with the first one. Uh, so inline link editing is kind of like the first thing. It's a UI improvement to the uh, WYSIWYG or what? Are, do people call it something different now? The visual editor, I think I some think people call visual. it. 
Yeah. Anyway, the non-HTML editor. <laughs> the anyway, it's it's just a UI update to that, and uh, but it's a really nice update. Uh, it just adds uh, like a better UI for uh, inserting, like highlighting text and inserting a link. Uh, it's just a little bit less. I think before it was like a model, uh, a modal um, pop up that came yes. up. Yeah, and this it's no longer a modal pop up. It's just kind of something that's you know just more compact and less kind of uh, intrusive, I guess. So it's kind of a nice feature. What else we got? Uh, we got, there's new shortcuts for some formatting. Um, if, if you haven't seen it yet, but one of the really nice improvements in 4.4 was that if you wanted to make a bullet list or I believe there's block block quotes, headers, et cetera, you can use some of the, the standard formatting from Markdown and the visual editor will automatically convert it into the HTML. Um, so in, in 4.5, uh, you can use backticks to insert a code block. So if you, let's say, if, if you write in a dev post and you want to type the name of a function and you want it to, to highlight in the way that it would in Markdown, like you might be familiar with on GitHub or WordPress.org or other places, you can just do a backtick, do your code, do another backtick, and, and Core will automatically format that inside of code tags. Um, and then it also supports the same thing for horizontal rules. Right. So, so like three three dashes, I think, and it converts it into an HR. Yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, what else? We've got uh, desktop, tablet, and mobile toggles in the customizer that were added. So you can do a live preview of your theme uh, in different screen sizes. It's uh, kind of cool. Yeah. For anybody who uses the customizer a lot, I mean, that's going to be huge. Uh, I know one of the features that I really like in Chrome and I believe a couple other browsers, I'm sure Firefox has it, maybe Safari, is in the developer tools is the the toggles to switch to different screen sizes. So you can immediately go to phone size or tablet size and it just resizes your, your viewport in the browser. Super handy feature when developing anything front end that you need to make sure is responsive. Um, so it's just, I don't know, one, one more way of being able to preview your site across devices without yeah. actually using all the different devices. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty nice little feature. Uh, what's uh, also nice for developers, like theme developers, is that they can add a filter uh, that adds additional devices. So say you have a client that wants to be able to preview on a, I don't know, let's say a seven inch tablet for some reason, uh, maybe a 7.8 inch tablet, like you could do that, right? You could, you could, uh, add another control for that specific size, which is kind of neat that, that it's extendable like that. That is very cool. What else? Uh, let's see. Uh, there's now support for custom logos. Um, I think this is a kind of fascinating feature. Um, I think it's a good feature as well. So they added this, there's now a dedicated way to add logos Um through the customizer and, and just in general inside of WordPress and themes can register support for logos. And there's a dedicated helper function for outputting the logo on the front end. Um, personally, I think it's a little, I don't want to say it's un unfortunate or disappointing or anything. I'm thrilled that this feature's in now. I think it is a feature that would have benefited being in eight years ago. Um, and the, the simply the reason being is that it is a feature that in order for sites to take advantage of it, in order for plugin developers to take advantage of it, themes have to adopt it. And at the rate that we have right now, only brand new themes are going to have it, which is true of any theme feature. I mean, whatever the feature is, whether it was post formats, um, whether it's audio multimedia or responsive images or any, any basically front end feature that has to be implemented through themes, the adoption is going to be a little bit slower. So we're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of themes out there that will not have support for this. Now, it's going to be awesome to have it in, in new themes, but let's say that as a, as a plugin developer, you wanted to do something that affected logos. Maybe, maybe you're an A-B testing plugin and you uh, automatically swap the logos between two versions or something. Um, in order to do that for plugin developers, you have to have a wide adoption of that feature. And it'll be a while before we can do it. I'm still I'm thrilled that it's in, but it is something I wish we had had a long time ago. 
better yeah, late than never. It should be interesting to see how adoption goes for this because I'm pretty sure most themes that need a logo <laughs> customized, they already have an option in their framework for that. And so will those themes discard their current UI for this new thing and then have to deal with all the you know, customers asking them, where's, where do I customize my logo? Cause well, you know, I think it's related to like custom headers and custom background features. Those are features that are, have to be implemented in a theme in order to be utilized. Um, and while I don't, I don't think that's a, I think it's a, I think it's right. I think that is the right way to do it. It just means that sometimes those are features that are a bit slower at adoption. Right. Yeah. That's probably all right. So, yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that that is in no way a reason to say, oh, that's a stupid feature or why would you do that? No, I mean, because we need, those are features that we need. We need to have that standardization. I mean, right now, if you look at uh, themes, there's a thousand different ways that theme developers add logos to sites. And let's be, let's be real. Every single site with very few exceptions has a logo of some kind, even if it's just a tagline. To me, like that immediately says, oh, that should be standardized or have a standard way to do it. Sure, you can still do it a different way if you want, but so I'm I'm glad it's in. Yeah. Um, so one thing one thing I I noticed today I was poking around the customizer. I very rarely use it, but I noticed that it goes like full screen, and I I mean full screen. Like it gets rid of the nav on the left side and the toolbar, the admin toolbar at the top. Like there's nothing. Like it almost looks like WordPress just disappears, right? Uh, and then you have to actually X out of it at the top. Like I never really noticed that, that that was the case. But I found it really interesting because I don't think I've ever seen a plugin do that. But I think some plugins probably should do that. Because let's say uh, if you're a forms plugin, for example, and uh, the user's editing a form, well, do I need all these, all these, like if I'm in the mode of editing a form, why do I need all these nav links on the top of my screen and on the, on the sides, right? Like I should be able to focus on that task of creating a form and then, and then exit out of it. Just similar to how you're customizing your site and then you're exiting out of it. It's a very kind of specific task that probably takes like a good chunk of time. So it's worth having a focused experience. So I, I'd love to see more plugins adopt that, that kind of um, UI, I think. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It would be interesting to see if, if, if anybody knows uh, other plugins that do that, uh, let me know in the, in the comments, because I'd love to check them out. What else is new in 4.5? Uh, there's a new function called WP add inline script, which is very handy. Uh, we've had one called WP add inline style for a long time, and it's for um, outputting inline scripts. It's a very aptly named uh, function. Uh, and it just it uses the internal APIs to, to register and output that script um, inside the page. So if you are doing anything with inline scripts in your plugin, whether it's in a short code or elsewhere, start looking at consider and considering using WP add inline script. Yeah, it's, inter um, it's interesting how you compare uh, compare it, not compare, but pair it as in a pair of socks <laughs> uh, using the handle. Like when you do, let's say, WP in Q script, like you would define some kind of handle like my script or whatever, you would use that same handle and then it will in it'll include your inline script right underneath the uh, the enqueued script when it does its output, which is important because if you're, for example, doing Typekit, uh, which is the example they use uh, on the Make blog, so Typekit, like if you enqueue the Typekit script, like the JS script, and then it has like a little bit of inline script that you also need to include, so then you can use this function to include that. So that's that's pretty neat little addition. There was really no great way to do that before. I think I think most people use like the WP head uh, hook, right, mm -hmm. to do that. But anyway, nice addition for sure. Um, Embed.php is also new. Uh, it's the the template standard template file for the O embed endpoint for content. 
so if you want to customize how the oembed looks, you can use embed.php and all of your standard template tags work inside of there. Right. They've got a bunch, actually. It's embed.php, embed-404.php, embed-content.php, header-embed, <laughs> and footer-embed. So you can really get granular with it if you want. That's kind of neat. Um, there's a new function that was added, uh, WP get upload directory, or dir, I guess. Um, and it's just a better uh, performing version of WP upload dir. Uh, apparently, WP upload dir was going through uh, like the folder structure and looking for if the fo folder existed and then tr and then trying to create it if it didn't exist. Um, which is pretty intensive process, right? Um, and they 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 spotted that that performance inefficiency while they were working on responsive images in three four, I think. And uh, so so this is this was the effort to to make that more performant. So that's pretty cool that they fixed that up. But it's nice also to know about that new function. Uh, so themes should really use that new function instead of using WP uploader because it'll just be better better performance for themes. Uh, we also have uh, new performance improvements and better image compression, which is kind of cool. Uh, let's see, I actually have not read into this too much. Do you know more about it? I do know a bit about it because um, I was kind of following along when the responsive image stuff was happening. And uh, what happened was, so the responsive image stuff that went into 3.4 was a feature plugin called the RICG Responsive Images plugin. And uh, what ha and what was a part of that plugin was uh, improvement in image compression uh, and resizing. So um, what happened was when 3.4 came along, it wasn't quite ready. That part of it, the image compression stuff wasn't quite ready. The responsive stuff was, so they just split them and uh, just included the responsive stuff in 3.4. But now for 3.5, they, they've gotten it ready and got in the, the uh, resizing improvements. So the default quality of resized images is, has gone from 90 to 82. Um, so that's on a scale of, um, you know, zero to a hundred. So zero being like the top, the highest compression and the worst quality, <laughs> right? And nine and a hundred being the best quality and almost no compression, actually probably zero compression. Uh, so 82 like basically makes it slightly worse quality, but it's not a discernible difference. They did a ton of testing to figure out uh, if there was, uh, if the human eye could could right. see the difference. And, so it's and not, we, not discernible to humans, but absolutely um, important when it comes to size of files. Exactly. So the size of the resized images are going to be greatly reduced. Um, or I don't know, greatly might be a bit strong. Significantly reduced, we'll say. Um, and uh, if you're using the image magic uh, extension on your server, um, so the other option would be GD, the GD library uh, for images. It, uh, if you're using image magic, which I think most people are, uh, it'll strip out uh, any irrelevant metadata when it uh, creates the, the resized images as well. So it'll further reduce the size of the resized images. So there's this whole, uh, this whole thing started uh, when a guy named Dave Newton uh, wrote a post on Smashing Magazine about uh, improving image resizing with image magic. It's a really exhaustive post, and he's got a ton of tests in there and stuff. And it was super interesting if you want to get into the nitty gritty details. Um, and then Joe McGill kind of took that uh, and kind of ran with it uh, to to do some more work on it. Um, and there's other people involved too. So I'm not, but I, I'm not going to get into listing names. <laughs> we'll be here all day. Lots of people had a hand in this. We we know that for sure. What else? So we have a uh, 4.5 field guide, which we will link in the show notes. Um, basically, it is a complete overview of 4.5 posted by Aaron Jorbin on the make.wordpress.org slash core site. Um, and it covers a lot of things in details. Uh, also covers some of the, 
the breaking changes that were made. Um, and it's good, definitely a good rundown post to go look at. Yeah. Um, yeah, the notable ones are Backbone and Underscore JS. Those libraries were updated, and I guess uh, the team, the, I guess they have breaking changes in them in those libraries themselves. So, um, and, and apparently jQuery, which was also updated in this release uh, to one point twelve point three, has caused has some breaking changes as well, but. I didn't realize this until we were just talking today, Pippin. <laughs> and yeah, so there's a there's a breaking change in it that um, it's only breaking because it corrected. I don't know. You could say it corrected a bug in previous versions. Um, it used to be that there was a syntax you could use that was not supposed to work, but it did, and they fixed it so that you can't do that anymore. And so anybody who is using that. Um, that syntax has seen jQuery errors pop up. Uh, we actually got affected by this because one of our old, old EDD themes that was written three and a half years ago or so uh, actually used the old syntax. And all it is, is um, let, let's say that you are trying to target an element uh, in jQuery and you're trying to target it uh, based on maybe an, a, an attribute or something like that. And so you you use the the syntax, um, something like, uh, like, let's say that you're targeting anything, uh, all anchor tags that have a specific href. Um, so you say a bracket href equals in the ID there. Well, that's supposed to have quotes around it in the, the href equals. And in previous versions, you could actually do it without quotes. Now you have to use a you have to use quotes for setting that the what the href value is where or whatever the attribute value is, uh, and if you weren't, it creates a JavaScript error. Uh, and so if that's what you're experiencing, experiencing a JavaScript error, uh, that's probably why. It might be why. Did you? Um, so does this related to the? I know there was like at a certain point jQuery kind of split into two files. One was called the migrate the jQuery migrate or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is this making any sense? I do know what you are talking about. I don't know much uh, about it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I was just thinking maybe they just dropped that, that migrate thing in this release or something. I don't, I, but I, I really don't know. So anyway, bottom line is there's breaking changes. So beware. <laughs> yep. uh, and there's, there's also a really good post on uh, wordpress.org support forms um for that covers a lot of details it also covers um a lot of issues discovered in popular plugins in, with fixes included so if you are experiencing any issue with 4.5 go check out those first okay well we should include that in the show notes for sure yeah then. i'll dig up a link to it okay all right uh i guess there's one more breaking change in 4.5 the term edit screen uh has been separated out from the term list screen um, so we'll link the, the details of that in, in the show notes. It doesn't sound like too many people are going to have a, an issue, uh, with breaking things there, but, but it, you know, if your plugin does deal with the term page, <laughs> um, then yeah, you should probably check, check it out. Um, should we talk about imposter syndrome and what that means? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> so imposter syndrome is the idea uh, or the the mentality or however else you want to describe it of feeling like you are an imposter, feeling like you're not actually good at what you do, feeling like everybody else is obviously better than you. A lot of times you may be reluctant to, sh to share your work because you feel inferior or the work or the things that everyone else is doing are so much better. You see them reaching so much further, much better success, et cetera. And so you feel like an imposter, even uh, especially like an imposter among peers. And so let, let's say within the WordPress community, there's been, there's been a, quite a few people have written about it, um, feeling like, okay, I am the creator of a product, but everybody else's products do so much better than me, than mine. So, and it makes me feel like mine isn't very good. It makes me makes me question myself. Maybe I'm not a very good developer. Maybe I'm not a good product creator, uh, et cetera. That's kind of the gist of imposter syndrome. Uh, so 
uh, we're talking about this today because uh, I just published a blog post this morning um, the, um, announcing the four-year anniversary for easy digital downloads. And I kind of went through some of the highlights, some of the struggles, some of the victories, et cetera. And one of the biggest struggles that I wanted to put out is that ev uh, every single one of us is an imposter or feels like it uh, at times. And so the example that I went through is that throughout these four years of building EDD, we have, I feel like we've done some really cool things. I think we've done pretty well for ourselves. We've built a good team of uh, around the product. We've built a good company out of it. Uh, we've seen some pretty good success when it comes to revenue with taking care of ourselves. Um, all of these things have been qu quite successful for us overall. But then I wanted to reflect a little bit on how it's very easy for us to even uh, with all of those highlights and those accolades, et cetera, to still feel like, dang, we're not succeeding. Why are we're not, we're not progressing as far as we need to, because we see other projects, we see other people doing things so much further and beyond us that it's, um, that clearly we must be doing something wrong. Clearly we're not good at our job. Um, so the examples I, some that I gave is like, look at, let's, why is WooThemes and WooCommerce so successful and so large on their scale and we're not? Why are, let's take um, our good friends at the WP Ninjas and uh, that create Ninja Forms, they started sometime after us and yet um, they have vastly surpassed us in the number of installs and the number of customers that they have. And it's very easy to say, why? Like, why don't we have that? Uh, and so this is an effect of the imposter syndrome feeling. So uh, this was my kind of my personal confession saying, yes, I understand that I have a pretty good reputation and status within the WordPress development community. And there's a lot of people that look up to the Easy Digital Downloads project, look up to what we've built, look up to me, et cetera. But even with that, we still feel like imposters every single day. And it was a good reflection for me to do that. And also I think a reminder for everybody uh, to say, look, it's okay because uh, everybody feels this way was kind of the where I was going with it. And uh, so Brad, do you have any thoughts on any of it? Yeah, it's any interesting. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, I was just looking up the definition of imposter syndrome, actually. Um, and it's interesting um, because it's, it, I'm going to read it because it just, it, it's a term that was, that is a clinical term was, uh, coined by in 1978 by clinical psychologists, Dr. Pauline R. Clance and Suzanne A. Imes, referring to high achieving individuals marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. That's really interesting to me, that definition, because like it's, it's like, I, I think I had this when I was working on, on WP App Store was probably when I had it the most. Um, it's like, why, why, who am I to be doing this? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, who am I, you know? Um, and like, con like, and going to the first pressnomics and hanging out with, you know, the Wu teams guys and like these big, these heavy hitters in the WordPress world, right. That have been at it for years and have huge businesses, and and I'm here as a startup, uh, basically an unknown guy, and trying to do this big thing. And it's just, yeah, like it, I felt like an imposter for sure uh, during that conference. And so, uh, yeah, it's difficult, right? It's difficult to deal with. Um, but I, I think at that point, I probably it was I was probably more justified feeling like an imposter because I hadn't really accomplished anything yet. Um, I think imposter syndrome is when you have all these accomplishments and, and you still, you, you don't, you don't, or you dismiss them as not really accomplishments. Um, is that kind of how, how, what you were getting at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
let me, let me give you an example. And this is one that I included in my, in my blog post as well. Um, about a year ago, I had a friend say to me that we're miles and miles and years behind Woo themes uh, in, in the e-commerce world. And that, and because of that, if we want to succeed, we need to partner with somebody who can propel us forward. And that was the first, that was one of the first times that I had kind of looked at it as like, I thought we had been doing great. I was very pleased with where we were. And then this comment is made and it makes me start to second guess myself. It's like, well, maybe we haven't achieved anything. Maybe we haven't. What does 40,000 websites mean? I mean, that's not that many. What is, what does X dollars in revenue mean? Um, I mean, they have all of this, these ridiculous numbers. So, okay. So clearly I failed. Um, it was kind of that, the, my response to that comment and right. Like what is, what is success actually being? You, right. Right. Because I'm, I'm, clearly in the, in those eyes, I haven't succeeded. Right. And up to that point, you felt like you probably had, and then they yeah, kind of upset, great. they upset your, your, the bar that you had set for yourself. Totally They're screwed like, with my happy little world. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but, and so it, and it took me a while to, to come to terms with what that really meant. And, and here's, here's what I ended up deciding. And, and this is what I wrote more about, uh, this morning is that it doesn't matter. And you have to come to terms with that because every single one of us builds our own definitions of success. And I've realized that my goal and my definition of success is not the same as the friend that made that comment. It is not, I have no aspirations to become bigger or better or larger or anything like that as WooCommerce, as an, e- as a, as an e-commerce platform. That is not my goal. It is not my goal to be the default platform or the best platform or anything like that. Uh, it is, there's, I have, I have, I have revenue goals, but those, uh, it doesn't necessarily matter. What, what really matters is that everybody has their own definitions and what they're striving for and what they're, what they're trying to achieve. And that's okay. That's great. Um, just because someone looks at, at your own definitions and says, well, those don't match mine, doesn't make you wrong, doesn't make, doesn't, doesn't belittle your own success in any shape or form. Right. I like the idea of setting um, the bar at, um, at like looking like a big, at a big competitor or a big, I don't know, a big player in the space and saying, I'm going to be better at X than that than them that's going to be my goal they're huge and they're successful and everything but i'm just going to be better at like this small part of what they do or something like that and i'm kind of carve out your own niche uh kind of within what what's what that big player does i think a lot of companies have started like that and have been very successful in building a business that way and and then it sets that bar kind of at a better level than you know who I bet had severe imposter syndrome. Who? The Collision Brothers. Collision the, Brothers. Uh, that that's not right. That's not the right pronunciation. Uh, the two brothers behind Stripe. I bet you when they first started, the shadows of Authorize.net, oh. PayPal, everyone else, and look where look where they are today. Like I I think that I mean I don't know of any evidence or blog post that they've ever written that says that they did, but I bet you they did because they were starting, they were taking on <laughs> literally giants and they have dominated. Uh, and it's because they did, they, they carved out their niche. They said, we're going to make payment processing easy for developers and we're going to win at that. And that striving for with that focus has led them to be now one of the most dominant players in the in the world. Yeah, I love that. I love that that story of just telling of of saying like, you're going to be better than, than you know better at this very specific thing, and then tackling it that way. And then who knows where that'll take you? You never know, right? Like you could end up being displacing the big player. And like I feel like Stripe is on their way to doing that. 
So. I think they've already displaced a bunch of them. Oh, no doubt. And if not, I mean, I guarantee you that Stripe is on the radar of every single credit card processor. <laughs> yeah. And well, at least the ones that are not blind and foolish. Yeah. And I mean, PayPal, I think, is still the dominant one, right? And so I think, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Stripe was, was in second place right now in terms of, because I feel like wherever I go to buy something, there's kind of the credit card form and still PayPal, right? Like there's, oh, always. There's always. And I think that's going to be the same way for a long time. Yeah, because PayPal, people know PayPal. People are comfortable with PayPal. They trust it. And they I, they look for it. Like if you don't have PayPal on your checkout, I think people, a lot of people, you will you'll lose. I think, and um, and and you'll also get lots of requests. Uh, at uh, like we've never had the gall to to take off PayPal to see what happens. <laughs> My brother tested it on Did their CGQQ website, and they've actually stuck with it. They have they have left PayPal off completely. Um, but he tells me that they still get a lot of requests to pay with PayPal. And I mean, their method has been, we'll send you a manual invoice for it if did, you really want to do it. Did but, he, uh, did he ever discuss like his reason, reasons for getting rid of PayPal or, uh, there was a, there was a, a whole number of reasons. Um, some of them have to do with measuring metrics. Some of them have to do with just subscription management, uh, make, get everything inside of one API so that you don't have to worry about working through two different processors. Um, right. Things like that, right? Yeah, I mean, PayPal has a bad track record um, of of freezing accounts and stuff too, right? So that hasn't helped help them right. either. Anywho, we should probably so, wrap it up. Yep. Um, if if anybody has comments of uh, on any of this, feel free to drop us a note on the blog or ping us on Twitter uh, or any other method you feel like getting in touch with us. Um, and I would like to leave you just one more note that if you have ever felt like an imposture. Remember that everybody else does too. Awesome. Talk to you next time. Later.